Welcome to the Readings Kids Book Podcast, a monthly podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the world of children's books and bookselling. I'm Leanne Hall, a children's and YA bookseller and author. And I'm Angela Crocom, shop manager at Readings Kids and author of two books on sustainable living. This is our first episode of the Readings Kids (laughs) Book Podcast, so we thought we should tell you a little bit at first why exactly we are doing this. Angela, why have we decided to do a kids book podcast? Well, we do have a pretty amazing job, Leanne, and uh, we are so lucky to be around so many amazing kids books and kids books authors and around so many discussions about how kids books are changing and there's all sorts of things going on in the YA world. And, you know, we wanted to talk about it with other people and let them know about the kind of things that we discuss uh, amongst ourselves in the bookshop. We thought other people might be interested. Yeah, that's right. Our intention is to replicate the kind of um, casual conversations we have in the lunchroom. And we do know that not everyone um, knows what it's like to work in a kid's bookshop. So we hope that we'll be talking about lots of things that you will find interesting. So on today's episode, we're going to have a loose theme, really, of diversity in picture books. Um, We're going to discuss a number of topics. First of all, the success of Bruce Pascoe's Young Dark Emu, A Truer History. We'll talk a little bit about representation in picture books. Um, What do we think is missing or underrepresented in our kids' picture books? Um, And then we'll finish off with just a little uh, personal recommendation. We love nothing more than hand-selling and recommending Mm -hmm. books. So we'll do a little personal books of the month at the end of the episode. So firstly, um, we're going to talk about the success of Young Dark Emu, A Truer History by Bruce Pascoe, which I counted has been on our... um, Kids' top 10 um, bestseller list for seven weeks running now, Ange. Wow. Yeah, and it's so been um, in number one five times. I think the only reason it, it slipped off the bestseller list this week was actually there's a bit of a stock issue because it's been so popular. Yeah, that's right. The publisher has actually run out of stock. They're reprinting and we are all eagerly awaiting the reprint. We've had at least five people come into the bookshop today and every other day there's dozens of people coming in desperate to get their hands on a copy. So how amazing is that? It's great. So to anyone that doesn't know much about Young Dark Emu, it is a younger reader edition of Bruce Pascoe's adult book, Dark Emu, um, which of itself was a really, really successful book. Mm. Um, And it's done for, I guess, a readership from, would you say, around about age nine and up? Yeah, definitely. Nine to 12, 13, or really through to adult. Um, yeah, and it's it's billed as a truer history of Australia, um, but it's made quite simple and very readable for young people to read on their own or ideally, I think, to read with their parents or in a classroom environment and talk about. Yeah, I'll describe it as gently illustrated. There's some um, illustrative material and photographs provided and it details, um, as I understand it, it's the situation in Australia at the point of British colonisation, how Australian Aboriginal people were using the land and how they were in fact farming and engaging in very sophisticated forms of agriculture, which goes against some of of the history perhaps that has been presented in the past. Um, Do you get a sense from customers about how they're hearing about the book? Um, no, not really. But they, I mean, I think Bruce has done a lot of publicity and um, it's certainly, you know, he's doing a lot of radio and talking about it. 
But uh, no, they all just seem to know about it, which is fantastic. It's a really nice feeling thinking that um, a lot of people are really interested in introducing young people to this information and, and this kind of um, alternative, truer narrative of, of Australian yeah. history. So it's, it's great that it's been um, so popular. I feel like there's been a bit of a boom in um, picture books by Indigenous creators this year. Absolutely. Yeah, there's another, been a lot. Another favourite is our April Book of the Month, which was Willam, which is a Birrarung story. Birrarung is the Woiwurrung word for the Yarra River. And it's just so beautiful. It was done by Auntie Joy Murphy and Lisa Kennedy and Andrew Kelly, who is the Yarra River River Keeper. And it's just gorgeous and it's all about all the animals that live along the the river and um as it flows from the mountains down through to the mouth of port phillip bay and it's just a stunning picture book great um one of my favorite ones from this year is called baby business by jasmine seymour and that's just a really beautiful description of a traditional smoking ceremony where a new baby um, is waved over certain um, over a fire and smoke that's made of certain plants and it's a really um, beautiful ritual um, that is done by women and children um, and I just think it's a lovely picture book I feel like it's the perfect present um, to give to new parents this um, and that one's called baby business so hopefully um, we'll continue to have some really great Indigenous created picture books for the rest of 2019. Yeah, I'm sure we will. And there's a lot of great Indigenous YA coming out this year as well that I'm yeah. excited about. Yeah, it feels like it's been a better year. Um, we're Definitely. always looking to stock um, books written by Indigenous authors and I feel like it's actually, you know, we've had an easier time of it recently. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep, the time is, is ripe for Indigenous stories. There's a real thirst for them. So moving on to our second topic for today, which is representation and diversity in picture books. I think we'll sparked about um, to talk about this topic from a few articles mm. that I saw shared a lot on <laughs> social media. Um, so the one that I, I saw was called, it's from The Conversation, and it's called, I looked at 100 best-selling picture books, female protagonists were largely invisible, um, by Sarah um, Mokrasicki. And the other article that I think you sent around to me, sent to me, Angela, was from The Guardian. Um, and it's titled, Highly Concerning, Picture Books Bias Worsens as Female Characters Stay Silent. Um, so the conversation article, I think, takes a bit of an Australian look. Um, the author is a PhD candidate writing about family diversity in picture books, which Sounds like a dream PhD to mm, me. Definitely. And The Guardian, what I think, was, was drawing more on UK statistics. Angela, why did you, um, why did you send this article to me? <laughs> what was your take on it? Well, I actually – I think it painted a very dark picture of an issue that we've been aware of for a long time and which I actually feel is greatly improving. Yeah. And, and I think the interesting thing about this is that – they're talking about the best-selling books. So the majority of them are quite old. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah, they're, they're kind of from 50 years ago almost, like Where the Wild Things Are, um, things like that, that are not recent. Yes, of course, there were, you know, way too many picture books that um, – 
talked about boys as opposed to girls. But I feel like in, in the last couple of years that has really flipped and I don't think that it is nearly as dire as they are saying and in fact I think a lot of the picture books the majority of them that we feature and display in our bookshop have female uh narrate or you know lead characters yeah I think I guess the you always have to think about how studies are done and I suppose in this one you know both um Looking at the top 100 best-selling books, the Australian um, sort of take on it was done at a um, at an Australian book retailer, and um, the UK study was done just looking at the top 100 best-selling um, illustrated children's books using Nielsen Book Scan, which is an overall industry kind of collector of data. Um, so I guess we're an independent bookshop, and mm, we do like yep. kind of put a lot of effort um into thinking about representation when we buy in books and yes, we display books. Yes, very true. So maybe we're not the most representative kind of retailer <laughs> or at least we're, we're one very specific type of retailer and we already put a lot of um effort into it. Yeah. I thought some of the some of the comments in in the articles did kind of touch a chord with me um because they were quite interesting. They didn't just look at sort of um you know, the balance of male and female characters. Um, they also looked as to who was the protagonist. Mm. They also looked at what sort of jobs um, or what type of occupations or activities these kids were taking part in in the picture book. And also whether, I think in both of the studies, actually looked at whether the character actually spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of th- I think it was the Guardian article, they sort of sort of said that it correlated with what I've noticed is I do feel like in picture book... Australian picture books, I feel like there's a lot more cultural diversity being represented um, in picture books. But I do think it's often in background characters and group scenes. Like I feel like illustrators are very Mm. conscious of creating a very culturally diverse look to a picture book. But I do find it's rare for there to be um, a main character of colour as a protagonist who speaks still um, Mm. in Australian picture books. So some of the sort of data in the article actually did kind of ring true um, to me. But I think um, we do work really hard at kind of having um, a good gender balance in the books we have. Um, Maybe I just noticed the ones that I love, which are ones that have strong female characters. (laughs) It's probably a good moment, I think, too. Like when I read articles like this, I mean, these two articles are pretty dire. I feel can often feel a little bit – it can be a bit sobering. So I think it's – Perhaps good for us to focus on some of the books that we think um, are doing a really great job in mm. terms of representation. Do you have any favourites, Angela? Um, favourite, you know, books that have great female characters in them or...? Well, I mean, I have to do a shout-out. It's not Australian, but uh, the science series um, Ada Twist Scientist and uh, Rosie Revere Engineer, I think are just wonderful best-selling titles for us that um, feature very strong female characters, very engaged. Uh, one of them is, is a, a, a character of colour and, um, you know, those are, are great books that I really love. Um, the new Maxine Beniba clark Fashionista, is fantastic and has all sorts of different characters but um, has a dark-skinned female character on the cover and is very empowering uh, for both males and female about expressing themselves. Um, 
What else? Any other favourites? Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down a few favourites. I actually got asked an interesting question by a customer a few weeks ago and um, this is actually, I think, sort of a, a common question or increasingly common question um, was she was a parent who wanted picture books that showed cultural diversity where um, the cultural diversity wasn't a focus of the book. It was just a, a byproduct of the story. And in yeah. actual fact, the story was about something completely unrelated, which I thought yeah. was a really interesting question. I've also had a lot of questions from families who like want to see um, intercultural families in picture books. It's actually still relatively difficult um, to find that. But I did think of a few um, recent ones that I recommended to that customer. I actually think she eventually bought Harriet Gets Carried Away by Jessie Seymour. That's a sweet book about a a costume-loving little girl who literally gets carried away by rogue penguins. Um, But she has got a white father and a black father in that story. Um, One of my recent favourites is Our Little Inventor by Cheryl Ng Mm -hmm. um, that has a very... Um, strong and wonderful female inventing protagonist and it's set in this wonderful steampunk world that is Asian influenced so it's really got an interesting visual look to it Um, and another favourite actually was Jabari Jumps which is a very sweet story um, about a little boy who is too scared to jump off the high diving board which is something that I can remember being terrified um, by as, as a child. So I related to that one a little too strongly, I think. Yeah. So um, any other comments you wanted to make about about yeah, these articles? Of course. Um, I also want to do a shout out to Love Makes a Family by Sophie yeah. Beer. I think that is just a gorgeous um, book that, that shows love in all its, uh, well, you know, many incarnations. Um Look, I think it is important to be aware of this and to constantly be trying to keep the gender balance equal. Um, yeah, I, I think... I don't know. I'm going to stop. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I actually just want to shout out to a very, very um, established old-school children's picture book creator, Bob Graham, who has always depicted, I, I think, you know, a range of different children mm-hmm. um, in his book. The one area where I do feel like I struggle a little bit to find recommendations when asked is uh, picture books that show children, children or parents or um, anyone um, with disabilities. I yeah. find that's actually a yep. really difficult request yes, to fill. Yes, it is. I agree. I agree. And, um, and definitely for... There's, there's occasionally the background kid with disabilities, but as the yeah. protagonist is, is extremely yeah. rare and it would be good to see more um, more of those featured. I think it would be excellent. I could only mm. think of Teddy Took the Train by Nikki Greenberg, um, which is a lovely story about um, a lost mm. toy left on the train and the mother in that one I think is a wheelchair user. And I think in one of Damon Young's picture books there's a great like joyous illustration um, of a, a woman um, dancing uh, who I think uh, uses a cane to walk. But those were the only two examples I could actually think of um, in mm. picture books. So I do think that that's a bit of a gap. Definitely. That could do with filling. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Well, we've reached the section where we are going to talk about our personal books of the month. This, of course, is a terrible, terrible thing to ask a bookseller to do because we probably have a list of about 10 um, favourite books of the month. But I've, I've got just one I want to talk about, Angela. How did you do in 
thinking what your well, particular Well, it is very hard to narrow it down to one, so I kind of have two. Okay. But you go with your one. All right, I'll, I'll <laughs> kick it off with my – I would say my favourite book of the month is called Lizard's Tale by Weng Wai Chan. Um, this is a fantastic story set in 1940 in Singapore. So it's really um, – World War II is brewing. The worst effects um, are yet to be felt. Singapore has not yet – um, being taken over by the Japanese, but it's definitely on the cards and you can feel it on the ground in the country. And at the centre of the story is a really lovely young um, streetwise 12-year-old called Lizard. Um, he lives in tiny, tiny accommodations and is pretty much an orphan who takes care of himself. He does all sorts of um, odd jobs for a slightly dodgy local businessman, and that's businessman in inverted commas. Um, he's asked to steal a wooden box from a hotel suite, the Raffles Hotel, and he doesn't realise, but he's about to get dragged into a tale of espionage um, and murder and martial arts and all sorts of hairy escapes. And he joins up with a bunch of his friends, a bunch of very able kids. I love it when kids kind of become spies and take on the adults and these kids really manage to acquit themselves well in what becomes quite um, a twisted and treacherous tale of world tale of World War II espionage. Sounds wonderful. It's so good. I, I love that. That premise sounds yeah. great. And, and also Singapore and the Raffles Hotel is this kind of classic history of Singapore. It's, it's so very, famous. very, very nostalgic, I think. Yeah. yeah. But it, I think it makes it really approachable for a modern reader. The young characters are so strong in it. Um, you're really kind of barracking for them right from the start. Um, and the author does a really great job of describing what is pretty complicated politics and a pretty complicated social hierarchy in Singapore with all the various different, um, you know, uh, cultural groups in Singapore. She does a really great job of describing a complex situation um, in a way that is very easy um, for readers, I would say, between 9 and 12 to understand. And I love historical fiction, so this was mm. – and I love reading World War II stories, so this one was <laughs> right, right up my alley, it's safe to say. <laughs> and yeah. what age group would you recommend it for? I'd say 9 to 12. I think a really good 8-year-old could also probably understand it, but I think the, mm -hmm. the core group – and even I would say a slightly older reader, a tween reader who really loves historical fiction okay. um, would find a lot to appreciate in yeah. A Lizard's Tale by Weng Wai Chan. Fantastic. What are your books of the month? Okay. Well, as I said, I have two and I might start with this gorgeous, very quirky cookbook called Lunch at 10 Pomegranate Street by Felicita Sala. And it's been published by uh, Scribble Books, who are an imprint of Scribe Publishing, and they do gorgeous, gorgeous, illus highly illustrated books. Um, and this is just a beautiful story there's a bit of a story in it so it's like a it's a picture book um and it's a story of this block of flats and uh they all are cooking in their individual apartments um and they're all cooking different dishes that they love or that they have some um kind of historical association or ethnic association with and then it gives you the recipe 
that each uh, each person in each apartment is cooking. And what I love about it is the recipe, the ingredients of the recipe are depicted visually. Mm. So you just look at the page and like, oh, okay, I need olive oil, I need bread, I need tomatoes, I need garlic. It's so simple. It's like when a TV cook kind of prepares the ingredients <laughs> in advance and yeah, says, you know, it lays yeah, them out on the bench and you can it's see just really easily. Such, like why has no one else thought of this before? Because it is such an easy way to kind of look at the recipe, you know, realise what you have in, in, in at home or what you need to buy. Uh, and then the method is really simple. They can all be done with kids, by kids. Uh, my daughter has uh, done the, uh, the pasta sauce a number of times now. Um, I've, and I've made the black bean soup and that's yeah, – I don't know what it says yes. about my level of cooking ability that I, I found that soup very manageable to make. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I made the black bean soup as well. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it was really good. So there's some entrees, there's some mains, there's things like a baba ganoush, nice dip, um, green rice, there's a, uh, which is a Greek dish, there's a Japanese one and then there's some desserts which I haven't got into yet. But I think it's just a beautiful cookbook to cook with with a younger child. I think they would really engage with it quite easily and simply or an older child like my daughter who's 10 can actually kind of go off and do it on her own pretty much. Um, yeah, so gorgeous cookbook, Lunch at 10 Pomegranate Street. Great. Good choice. I, I mm. agree with that one. Yum, yum. It's making me hungry just yeah. looking at it. <laughs> and the other one I wanted to do a shout out to, which I just think is gorgeous, is called Fashionista by the wonderful uh, poet and uh, novelist and biographer Maxine Beniba Clark, who is such a talented woman. She blows me away. So and she can illustrate as well, I as know, it turns out. Oh my God, she just, she, she just puts the rest of us to shame. So she's only just started writing picture books in the last three years, and this is her third picture book in three years. So she's not... Not uh, slacking Prolific. off at all, yeah. And um, so it's it's called Fashionista, which so often is associated with a girly, kind of frilly, prissy sort of thing. And this is the opposite to that. This is cool. It's just, you know, I love it, it that there's also, I mean, there's odes to amazing, like really styled up fashion but there's yeah. and glamorous fashion, but there's also odes to just being in your trackies and stomping around in the dirt and those other moments when you want to be a, yeah. a little bit more low-key with your clothes. Absolutely. And that it's all fashion and that, you know, you just want to uh, have your own style is the important thing. And she actually features, so she's used collage to create the illustrations uh, which is really clever and there are references to people like Prince, uh, to Beyonce, um, to perhaps Kurt Cobain and uh, they're just really vibrant and um, very, very cool. So for anyone, you know, who thinks that fashion is just this girly, girly thing, this is the opposite of that and it's just... It's got great, great text in it as well. Yeah. I always think good things happen um, when poets write picture exactly. books. Exactly. The they, text is yeah. just meant to be read out loud. It's really good fun. It is. Yeah, it's spot on. Her text is amazing. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend that just as a fantastic picture book from sort of two to six and, um, you know, very empowering for young kids to kind of express have their own themselves. Yeah, express yeah. themselves, have their own style. Great. Yeah. 
Well, that's been the first episode of the Readings Kids Book Podcast, a monthly podcast where we are going to shoot the breeze and talk everything about kids' books. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next month for another episode. We might even tell you a little bit more about ourselves, but until then, (laughs) see ya. Keep reading. Keep reading.